But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Please pray with me. Dear God, we ask you, as we always do, to be here with us this morning, and we trust that you are here. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I became a more mature Christian on Friday. Aren't you excited? Don't you want to hear how it happened? Since becoming a more mature Christian is something that I feel like we're all trying to do all the time, I thought you might like to hear how I accomplished the feat so that you could then pattern your lives after mine. It happened in the parking lot of my dentist's office when I locked my keys in my car. Perhaps you're thinking now that that's not the kind of situation that would inspire you toward Christian maturity, but that's just because you're not the kind of person I am. See, I realized that I locked my keys in the car as I was walking into the dentist, so I had to sit there as they scraped away at my teeth trying to figure out what I was going to do about it. Luckily, we have uh, roadside assistance through our car insurance. I was able to call someone and get someone dispatched to help me. I actually have a really slick system. They were going to use my cell phone signal to globally triangulate my exact position. And the service then generated an automatic text to let me know that help was on the way and it was going to only be about 30 minutes before it got there. Everything was going to be fine. But then that 30 minutes came and went, and two phone calls to the roadside assistance provider came and went, and three phone calls to the actual guy in the truck came and went. Finally, it's two and a half hours later, I'm going to miss picking my kids up at school, and I'm frothing at the mouth. I'm so angry. The guy who's been dispatched to help me can't find me. Even though I'm in the parking lot of a business, they have the address, and they used my cell phone signal to triangulate my exact position on the globe. The names that I called that driver, the roadside assistance company and my insurance company, down, of course, in the darkest recesses of my heart, were despicable. It was a level of hate that surprised me. And when the guy finally came to get me into my car, I said as few words to him as possible, worried about what might come out if I let my mouth stay open for too long. Finally, with this harrowing ordeal behind me, I got the kids late, got home exhausted, and waited for Aya to get there so that I could tell her how I had had to deal with such inconsiderate idiots all day. Impressive, right? 
Can't you just see the new maturity when you look at me? I'm actually not being sarcastic. I honestly do think that I grew as a Christian because of that experience. Let me explain. I've actually got a great illustration to help explain how this works. You see, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. And you've probably heard this story a dozen times, and you've heard stories that make this point a thousand. But Bob probably wasn't even a couple sentences into it before you got super bored, right? Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a... I mean, we get it, all right? The Pharisee is a self-righteous jerk, and the tax collector has a healthy awareness of his sin and of his need for a savior. Don't be like the Pharisee. Be like the tax collector. Can we move on to something a little more advanced, please? But take a moment. Look closer. How much of a self-righteous jerk is the Pharisee actually? What does he actually say? And is it something far different from what we say? God, he says, I thank you that I'm not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. If he's a self-righteous jerk, I've met thousands of worse self-righteous jerks in my life. It seems more like he just thinks he's a spiritually mature person. He sees the good gifts that God has given him, and he thanks God for his spiritual growth, for how far he's come. He says, thank you. Surely that's not so bad, is it? Well, listen, this... Pharisee has spiritual maturity completely backwards. In the Pharisee's conception of spiritual maturity, of most other folks too, the path of Christian growth is like the path up Mount Kilimanjaro, right? It's a long, hard walk, but anyone who sets their mind to it, trains properly, and has the right equipment can do it. You see, Kilimanjaro is not a technically difficult climb. It's just a really hard walk. Maybe Christians think we have a similar walk. Maybe we don't need to lift weights or eat properly or get the right hiking boots, but we have the equivalent, don't we? We need to spend some devotional time with God, perhaps in prayer or fasting. We need to read God's word in Scripture 
And we need to give of our financial resources to aid the ministry of the church, the ongoing proclamation of the gospel. Doesn't a mature Christian sound a lot like our Pharisee? We're not going to make the same mistake that the Pharisee made, are we? We mature Christians, we're too smart for that. Remember, don't be like the Pharisee. But do you see what we've just done? We've just put ourselves two pews over from the Pharisee, right? He's looking over at and judging the tax collector, while we are looking over at and judging him. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, fundamentalists, my mother-in-law, or even this Pharisee. I keep my ever-growing spiritual maturity to myself. This, then, cannot be what spiritual maturity or Christian growth is really about. And in truth, Christian growth isn't like climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. It's more like descending into Mammoth Cave, shining a light into all those dark nooks and crannies that are full of, in the cave, spiders and gross worms with no eyes and horrifying insects. As we grow as Christians, Jesus enters into the caverns of our hearts and shines his light into all those deep, dark corners of sin that we didn't even want to acknowledge to ourselves. We say, no, stay out of there. He says, yes, I have come to redeem even that. Spiritual maturity isn't about getting better and better, seeing fewer and fewer people around you in the pews who can measure up to the standard you're setting. Spiritual maturity is about the light of Christ shining into ever deeper and darker, unexplored corners of your sinful heart. Christian growth comes from being reminded once again in the dentist's office parking lot just how much and how desperately you need Jesus. The true shape of Christian growth is captured perfectly by Robert Lowry's classic hymn, I Need Thee Every Hour. He writes, I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee every hour, stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. I need thee every hour in joy or pain. Come quickly and abide, or life is in vain. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. I need thee, oh, I need thee. I need thee every hour. Christian growth means an ever-growing acknowledgement of how much we need Jesus. Every hour, every moment. But even this 
is not the real climax of the story, is it? It's all well and good for the tax collector and for us to acknowledge our crippling need, to refuse, as he does, to even look up to heaven, to shout, I'm not worthy. But that can't be the end. If, for instance, when we say the prayer of humble access in a few moments, if we stopped right after saying, we are not worthy to gather up the crumbs under your table. If we stopped there, I wouldn't blame you for walking out. That's not good news. I'm not worthy isn't good news. We can't stop there. And praise God, we never stop there. Listen to what we will pray. We do not presume to come to this, thy table, in other words, we do not presume to approach you, Almighty God, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. This is why the tax collector goes home justified. Not because he's so adept at beating himself up, but because of God's answer to his tortured cry. He says, be merciful to me, a sinner. And God says, I will have mercy on you. And for us, the news is even better because in Christ, it's already accomplished. The Lord says to us, I have sent my son to live for sinners like you. I have sent my son to die for sinners like you. I have sent my son to be raised again for sinners like you. There are two ways in which your sin can surprise you. First, like me, in the dentist's office parking lot, you can be surprised at the darkness of it, at the anger you're capable of still, the fact that your heart is more twisted than you thought it was anymore. Or you can be surprised to find yourself in the Pharisee's pew, looking around and thinking, thank goodness I'm not like these terrible sinners. Can we get to something a little more advanced, please? Either way, the realization will wring a tortured cry from your throat. Oh my God, I had no idea. Be merciful to me, a sinner. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee every hour. Stay thou nearby. Come quickly and abide, or life is in vain. I need thee, oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. I need thee, oh, I need thee. I need thee every hour. And God, the Father of our Savior Jesus Christ, answers our cry. I am your peace. I am nearby. I have died for you. I have given you my pure heart 
in exchange for your twisted one. I have given you my goodness in exchange for your sin. You need me. It's true. I am here. I always will be. Every hour. Every moment. Forever. Amen.